Kong. Stop raping our childhood. Stop it. Stop it. This reminds me of back a few years ago when uh, George Lucas redid the, uh, and Steven Spielberg redid the Indiana Jones uh, movies and South Park did a fantastic episode of just raping our childhood. Steven Spielberg, George Lucas is destroying Indiana Jones from behind. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neverending Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Grilly, and I just played you the new theme song from the 2016 version of Ghostbusters. That was Fallout Boy, who I'm a big Fallout Boy fan. I'm an emo kid at heart, but Fallout Boy featuring Missy Elliott just absolutely destroyed that song, our childhood. This movie is probably the absolute worst marketing efforts I've ever seen in my life. It could be a fantastic movie, but nobody's going to see it because. The, the marketing agency for whoever produces this movie is just just absolutely dropping the ball, not only with terrible, <laughs> terrible previews, but now terrible music. So we're coming in hot right now with that hot entertainment take. Again, my name is Luke Grilly. This is episode 14 of the Never Ending Glory podcast, and I'm joined here by my co-host Jerry Burris. So, Jerry, I'm sure I just ruined your Monday evening with that with that song. What if, what if I were to tell you that we were going to take the best four female comedians – or comic actors in Hollywood, and we're going to put them into a movie all together for a summer blockbuster. You'd be excited already, right? That's yeah, fine. Like a, That's fine. like a bride, a bridesmaids part. Exactly. Too. And we're going to add a couple other, you know, marquee names for guys. We're going to throw in some secret, you know, uh, cameos. I'm all in. I'm all in. But then you're going to rape what I know best, my biblical truth as a comedic person from the 80s, and you're going to ruin it. I can't buy into that whatsoever. And then you throw in this Fall Boy blasphemous song. Who are you going to call? Ray Parker Jr. is still alive, if you don't know. But my God, he should be rolling over in his, in his grave. <laughs> well, that, uh, that's our, our hot developing opinion about the new uh, Ghostbusters movie. Um, again, Never Ending Glory Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. Find us on Facebook at Never Ending Glory Podcast. Send us emails, negpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, subscribe and find us on iTunes. You can download all of our latest posts and our ramblings about um, movies from the mid-80s that are just being treated as absolute jokes now. That's the worst um, remake I've ever heard of. It, 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 I mean, again, I'm a Fall Out Boy purist. I thought their last CD was fantastic. It had some hits on it. But the instant I heard I heard that Fall Out Boy was releasing the theme song for the new Ghostbusters movie, I was like, Burris and Sean Z are going to have an absolute field day you with texted, it. You texted to me, and I threw my phone against the wall. Luckily, thank God, I've got a nice otter case. But it was not to be played in this house ever again. And you posted it on Facebook too. Yeah, all oh, I don't typically I don't really like Facebook, but you don't. I that's something I had to make my my presence known about. That's the worst. Well, I, again, you know, it's going to be a summer blockbuster no matter what. But unfortunately, uh, our children or, or or people from the 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 nineties or the the millennials in the two thousands they're going to see this movie and think that it's such a edgy new comedy. But we know, you know, the, the original Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, the original 80s Ghostbusters was just the absolute way to go. But we have a jam-filled episode tonight. You were you were there at the Cavs parade. So the Cavs won the NBA championship a week ago last night. Um, they had their parade on Wednesday. And I'll tell you what, 
following all my friends on Facebook and Twitter and just all the different pictures and videos coming out from the parade that went on in downtown Cleveland. It reminded me a lot of back in 2002 when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl and I actually skipped school uh, to go down and check that out. <laughs> but it, it, it's an amazing experience to see your first um, parade. I actually I saw the Celtics parade too back in 2008 when I was living in downtown Boston and Paul Pierce was so drunk that he had to be held up uh, while the duck boat was going through uh, downtown Boston, and of course, when the Bruins won again, I was right outside my apartment, so I checked that out as well. But the first time you go to a parade, it's just always amazing. It's always fantastic, and just again, seeing those pictures and videos of what Cleveland fans of the 1.3 million who packed downtown Cleveland actually got to see, it was just a very surreal feeling. So I can't even imagine what it felt like being there, Jerry. So tell us What's about the, that. Uh, well, let me ask you a little comp, uh, a little comp versus Boston. Did they have? Like barriers between the sidewalk and the street for the fans to the actual uh, parade floats or vehicles. Um, I think so. Yeah, they did not in any part of Cleveland. That that must be that must be known to. And if I were to tell a story about to anybody who's like, "Hey, what were the Cleveland parades like?" All right, so let's imagine 1.3 million people are going to surround a length of about maybe a mile and a half of road, and we're not going to have any sort of barrier between the middle of the road to the the edge of the sidewalk all the way to the buildings that surround these streets. And we're going to pack 1.3 million people into these said streets. How do you think it's going to go? It was pandemonium. There was (laughs) nothing but just jam-packed streets of people. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Now, uh, my wife, who's who is pregnant, so I was very cognizant of where we were and like where we were gonna stand and things like that. And I thought, you know, what, we're just gonna keep our distance, just kind of enjoy it and uh, kind of see what goes by. Luckily, a friend of ours climbed the wall of a parking garage, <laughs> got us in through a door, and opened the door like it was some sort of Walking Dead situation. Opened the door, shoved <laughs> people's faces with his bare hand. So that we could slide in and climb up to the third level. Now there was this picture of J.R. Smith going around of him shirtless for like the third or fourth straight day, and he's like got his arms outstretched, and there's a parking garage right there. That's us in the parking garage. That was taking. We were at the very beginning of this parade, right? And, I, and watched, I'm pretty. I tweeted yeah. out that picture as well. Yes, uh, yeah. It, at, at Glory Podcast, you can see a shirtless J.R. His back to the camera. And if you look up about three, what, three sections yes, up, yeah. right in the middle is the Never Ending Glory it's, podcast. It's funny. Barstool Sports actually reported, like, look at all these, uh, uh, they say criminals or degenerates. They circled everybody but us, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's criminals because did you hear that the city of Cleveland, if you had a court date that day, you were able to skip it. Um, oh, okay. Of the parade. I so that's why we were trespassing because we were. No, no. that no. <laughs> well, that. But, no, if, if, you had, if you had a court date either, whether that's because, hey, go sell Celebrate your last few days of freedom, or you're not going to get in downtown. Um, no, so don't you bother. Weren't. So that's probably why. I mean, even the Indians players. There was a seven o'clock game that night, and uh, Kluber I saw on Twitter couldn't even get downtown. Wow. Um, they they had managers that live outside the city. That there was no way to get downtown at all. And East Ninth in the corner of uh, Carnegie and Ontario is where the Progressive Field is. And you know, you were there 
last Saturday. You saw if those streets shut down, there's nowhere to go. Right. It's right. not like they can loop around and you know, oh, we'll, or we'll take the uh, the subway. They're, that's just not going to happen in downtown. Well, Cleveland. well, and apparently, uh, you know, Cleveland they hadn't had a other than the St. Patrick's Day parade that goes down every year. They don't have a lot of uh, uh, experience with having a sports no. championship Zero. parade because because didn't the actual parade have to be rerouted and there's a threat of it actually being canceled? Well, it was th- see, we had the radio on while we were sitting there. We actually had we. Had, two cars up on our level and there was a couple coolers of pops and uh we had the radio on and you could hear the one radio station that was on east ninth was seriously almost crying they were so nervous about the amount of people because they essentially got overrun they had one of those little teepee you know a teepee a little tent you know you get for the tailgate they had their table set up i mean there was asses to elbows 19 people deep from the the sidewalk to the edge of the building and they got overrun they really did meanwhile the other sports radio stations were just talking about how beautiful the views were and it was nice <laughs> to see all of these people out there and stuff and yes they could not clear east ninth for the the all of the different trailers and trucks and rolls royces and and you name it i mean urban meyer was stuck in traffic he was the first person on the on the uh to make the turn and he was stuck there for a while like machine gun kelly the rapper he yeah. made the turn and did like i think a 20 minute set on the corner of east ninth and ontario it was hilarious you know you know that was such such a disappointment that they chose machine gun kelly over bone thugs and harmony well, I, I mean i understand bone thugs and harmony is is a mid-90s group but yeah. they represent cleveland and machine gun kelly sucks that's your opinion but in i have to say that's, i don't that's i don't fact. get it that's i don't fact. well i'm gonna i'm gonna talk like i'm a little bit older here i don't get it like I, he is so well liked by by people way younger than me. It's it's crazy. Like if I even bring up the thing of, hey, why don't we have Bone Thugs and Harmony? They're like, yeah, that's great. Um, it's like they never existed. Hip hop royalty. I mean, Bone Thugs True. and Harmony is. And the only thing that I've ever seen Machine Gun Kelly do that was great was there was one time the Apple Store. Um, I forget. I don't know where it was. It might have been in downtown Cleveland, but they hired him to to perform at an opening and he just was on top of the tables and just like destroyed every single right. computer by he's kicking a, it. He's a punk. He's a, he's essentially like a punk rock hip hop artist. Like he's, right. he's right. not going in there to be a corporate guy. And I think also like having seen bone thugs and harmony in the Atlanta Hawks series, they, they actually performed at the halftime of the game too. And it was, it was really bad. It was really bad. Maybe they thought they couldn't handle it. I mean, machine gun Kelly was climbing like street signs and, and traffic lights <laughs> because the way his trailer was set up that they, they had actually, he was on the same um, parade trailer as Bernie Kozar. So oh, where we were sitting, we were, Bernie Kozar comes out and we're screaming, Bernie, Bernie. And he just can't stop waving at us. Uh, the local Fox affiliate was recording us on, on camera. And then out of nowhere, this long skinny lanky white guy in a, a Cavs XX Jersey runs and jumps on there. And we didn't realize that that is actually machine gun Kelly's float. Uh-huh. Um, but that the, where we were sitting was so cool. Cause we just saw everybody pull out. We were, we were the first ones to see Kyrie. The first, actually the first one to see Jr. maybe in a couple weeks or <laughs> I mean, a couple <laughs> nights. Cause he still was in a no shirt B he was wearing away Cavs authentic game shorts. Oh, he was like, still he was still wearing the black shorts he was from that they're wearing Golden wearing State. The shorts that he won in Golden State. It, and if you go back and look at like Twitter and Instagram and stuff, the night before he was playing golf 
at a local country club that he lives on in the same outfit. Oh, I love it. So I don't even know where he's hiding an extra ball. But the guy is by far going to go down as one of the most legendary Cleveland celebrities of all time. He's up there with Jim Tomey and Rocky Caldavito and Lou Groza, and he's probably going to get a boulevard named after him. I mean, there might be a LeBron statue, but there's going to be some cul-de-sac named after J.R. Smith. No it'll pro- no it'll prob- probably be on the east side, but that's besides the point. That's fine, but <laughs> I did actually get um, I did get a couple interviews with some local fans. Uh, Jared, I wanted to hear them on the on the the podcast. So let's 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 start with a couple here. All right, hold on a second. Let's do it. Dominic, what was your favorite moment from Sunday? Was it a performance by a single player? Was it a specific play? What was it? Uh, it was a combination. There was uh, the, the big three each had a huge moment in the final minutes of the game. Uh, LeBron's block made one of the best defensive plays in a, in a game seven in a finals game I've ever seen. Uh, Kyrie shot, and then the defense that Kevin Love played on uh, Steph Curry in, the, in, the, in that final shot that he had. I mean, that was just just huge, and it was great to see all three of those guys contribute in a way that led to a game seven, a game seven win in a championship, uh, bringing back bringing it back to Cleveland. What level of anxiety would you say you had during that 16 seconds that Kevin Love had to guard Steph Curry? It was big. It was big, but he was locked in, and he was all over him, and, and, and you know his length made it tough for Steph to get off. A good look, and uh, you know, with the defensive lapses that he had, I think it was easy enough for them to say, "Get on him, stay on him, don't let him, don't let him get away." And uh, that's exactly what he did. Now, I, I thought I told you to get the really drunk people so we could have some uh, some that was recorded. That was recorded, I think, at eight thirty in the morning. That actually was in a bar <laughs> after a couple shots. So let's let's. Let's not say that that's like I'm interviewing a priest or a, uh, a nun. Um, yeah, that's that's early in the morning. Um, I did a talk to another uh, another Cavs fan. He, I think, had been up since at least five a.m. that morning, uh, going after the Natty Lights. So uh, let's 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 hear from them. Think back to Game 7 on Sunday. What was the moment that told you this game was over? Was it a block? Was it the shot by Kyrie? What was the moment? The shot by Kyrie. And I think I followed it with an oh, shh. But I won't say it. But that was the shot by Kyrie. Yeah, no doubt think, about it. Do you think that's the best shot you've ever seen in the finals live? Uh, no. No, MJ put him to sleep was cold-blooded. <laughs> Byron Russell? No, uh, Byron, yeah, Byron Russell, exactly. Yep, absolutely. Well, you got to understand, LeBron got the block, Kyrie had the shot, but Michael had the steal, and then Michael, no timeout, comes down, calls up, give it to him, gave it to him. That's fair, that's fair. So what are you excited to see in the parade today? I want to see J.R. Smith. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually want to see J.R. Smith, and I hope he's still not wearing a shirt that's hilarious. And I'm going to try to moss one of these dudes on this wire and grab one of those uh, shirts. This is uh, Jerry Burst reporting from Never Ending Glory podcast with my friend Mark. Go cast, baby. So well, he, Mark, Mark got his wish. Jerry um, J.R. Smith did have a shirt off. Yeah, he was kind of being a little bit of a sooth seller. Uh, as soon as J.R. made the turn and, and was – let's say he was on his car – for when the parade started for about 22 seconds because he immediately jumped off and just ran up and down the street high-fiving everybody. I mean, the cops did their best. They really did to try to keep people away from him, but he had a cigar in his mouth, hat backwards, no shirt, running around, and uh, here's my report actually on J.R. Smith. You want to hear it? Yep. This is 
Jerry Burris reporting live for the Never Ending Glory podcast. Currently, J.R. Smith has been shirtless for three straight days and is walking backwards through the parade towards LeBron James's Rolls Royce. He's currently high-fiving a group of high school players and high school band. He's the best player for the fans right now. The fans are absolutely in love with J.R. Smith. This is, again, Jerry Burris reporting live from the parade. They're dancing, they're dabbing. LeBron with the cigar and his sons in Savannah. What a time. So, yeah, so what, what happened was we had the best spot. Everybody got stopped immediately because, like we said, the crowd was so big, these cars couldn't move. So, so literally, LeBron was in a, a Rolls Royce that was worth about 450k because we looked it up. With his, his wife and his, his daughter and his two sons all sitting there, he had a cigar in the mouth, and we almost hit them with champagne spray from the third floor of this parking garage. Yeah, again, that video did make its rounds. It got, went a little viral when um, LeBron looked up and they started. you guys started spraying the champagne. So I'm proud of you for, for getting viral. Next time we have to have a huge sign that says, uh, at Glory Podcast. It's an Next opportunity time, missed. I know. Well, I but, will say this, that there's already been three face, or I'm sorry, two more Facebook event requests I've been asked to uh, either respond to. That is the uh, Cleveland Indians parade and the Cleveland Browns parade. That's going to be in 2017. It's already listed. But uh, I have so, an RSVP. So the, yes. the, tri- the, tribe, the tribe, I'd say, okay, maybe there's an opportunity for that. But for the Indians, let's, let, or the, um, I'm sorry, the, the Browns, let's pump the brakes just a tad. I know you guys are riding high right now, but you have Robert Griffin III and Josh McCown as your quarterback. I'm right not so going to let you – rain on this parade right now i'm not gonna let that happen but anyway i I do want to thank you for your sacrifice um again it sounded like the parade was a great time i wish i could have been there for it uh but i really enjoyed seeing all the videos the pictures from it on instagram facebook twitter um a really good time so i'm happy during the parade two arrests two arrests that's pretty impressive. And, you know, I, I thought the city was going to burn. I thought the city would burn after the championship. And then I said, okay, it didn't burn after the championship or whatever. It's definitely going to burn in the parade. And I was wrong. I, and I saw a great meme on, on Facebook. It said, you thought we were going to burn the city, but instead we just climbed everything, climbed everything we saw. Yes, they did. Oh, my <laughs> Which, God. Yes, they did. I mean, there was there was a girl, I, you know, there's a viral picture of a girl who she's on top of like a telephone pole. And then, you know, all the people climbed up parking structures. And, I mean – the, the good news is, is Cleveland behaved. They, they behaved throughout the whole process. They act like they've been there before with the you know, celebrations of a championship. So, uh, you know, good for you, Cleveland. It was the best. It really, really was the best. It's, it feels weird to be a week after it and still see everybody in their NBA Finals championship hats and shirts and, you know, anything that pops up on, on Facebook or Twitter, I click on and read and watch. I've bought, like... Stupid Sports Illustrateds from Walmart that I've seen that are already <laughs> listed, and you know, things, I've got my newspaper sitting here that uh, Young Daniel sent me. Uh, he went out and got a Denny's the, the day after, and God bless him for that. But it, it's 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 bizarre to be in this club, you know. And I don't quite know how to act yet, but uh, hopefully, you can provide some leadership. You guys are doing a great job so far, as I mentioned. But I got to say, my, my, you mentioned the hats, the championship hats, and. I saw something floating around Facebook today. Uh, Timothy Moskov at the airport today, still rocking his NBA Finals hat, just in case <laughs> nobody knew who the ugly seven foot white guy was. Couldn't tell. <laughs> he's still, he's milking that for all he all he can. All he can. So, um, anyways, Cavs parade, 
Uh, the championship tour is pretty much over for the time being, even though I just saw a picture on Barstool of Kyrie Irving in a pool with his shoes and socks on and a bunch of topless white girls hanging out with him. So yes, he he's is. still partying. He is enjoying his time. That is fine <laughs> with me. He's still partying but until he goes down to Brazil and gets Zika virus playing for uh, Team USA. I actually but, wish he was not playing for Team USA. I think he needs some time off. I want Clay Thompson and Steph Curry to play. Uh, I, know Clay, is, I know Clay's playing and Steph's not, but I want every and Draymond's playing too. I want every so, so Warriors Barnes. Yeah, yeah, every Warriors player can go play. That's fine. Go get Zika. Go drink that poop water and then uh, come back and hopefully you don't you're not able to play this year in the playoffs. You know, it's it's not even so much Zika. It's more the fact that like the main highway is a war zone <laughs> in Brazil. It really is. Like and, to fly and when you, when you, in, you have when to you go get through it. the worst parts of Brazil. Right, and also, too, um, a bunch of people at the Brazilian airport was probably in Brasilia or something like that. I don't know where it is exactly, Rio de, Rio de Janeiro. Um, but there's a huge sign where it says, like, the firefighters and the police officers do not get paid. They work for free or something like that. So, obviously, there's a lot of, lot of shit going down in Brazil that if I were an Olympic athlete, I'd strongly consider bypassing this opportunity because I understand it's great to represent your country, but not when you're either going to get a really bad infectious disease or die. So it's not good. Um, um, so we have a cast parade, but also the day after the cast parade, we still had some more basketball to talk about. And unlike the, you know, usually in Boston, we're used to celebrating championships and not caring about the, the drafts. But this year, the tables were turned a little bit, and the Cavs, they could care less about the NBA draft. And the Celtics were sitting there with eight picks, including number three overall and two other first-round picks, in the uh, obviously, in the first round. So a lot of rumors going out there. Celtics had a major team need. You know, They really needed a proven veteran because Isaiah Thomas, as we saw in the finals or in the playoffs, if he struggled, the team struggled. The team went with Isaiah. If he had to put up 35, 40 points in order for them to get a victory against the Hawks, they really needed outside shooting because when Jay Crowder is your best outside shooter, things aren't going to go well. And they really need a player who can score and or defend in the paint because they have just a bunch of guards and not a lot on the inside. Kelly Olynyk is a pretty big pussy. Um, and the guy, you know, they had nobody else really other than like Amir Johnson. So going into that, they know that those are their team needs. You know, there's rumors that they could go after a guy like Jimmy Butler. That was making a lot of headlines throughout the day, and I got really excited about that, only to be let down. Jalil Okafer, who I would love to see in Celtics green. Nerlens Noel, who I wasn't that excited with, uh, excited about, but the Sixers were trying to really shop those two young big guys. Uh, Noel's 6'10". Okafor is just under 7 foot. They would have been great to plug in the middle, you know, to, to pair up with Isaiah Thomas, but... They just couldn't get that deal done. Uh, and then from the Bucks, Chris Middleton and or Greg Monroe uh, were two solid veterans that were being thrown around in trade talks. And, and these trade talks were based around the, the Celtics' third overall pick. So with all that being said, they didn't do anything on draft day. They didn't address the veteran. They didn't address the inside presence. They, didn't, they did not address the three-point scoring. What did they do? Well, Jerry, as you know, um, scale of 1 to 10, okay, 10 being very excited, you know, let's get Banner 18 up now, and 1 being, oh, my God, we suck again. What was my what, – what was I going through on draft night? Well, from your text messages, it was like the world was on fire. Uh, I don't know if you're, you were at a, a 1, but you were pretty damn close. Uh, you reminded me of the Rob Schneider character in The Waterboy. Oh, no, we suck again! But, well, and uh, that's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> when they took – Jalen Brown from Cal, third overall. 
19-year-old guy who seems to have his head on his shoulders. He, he seems to be a pretty smart guy, but he's a there's raw a, wing player. Yeah, there's who, a who thousand six seven wing guys in, in the NBA that could have got off of somebody else's roster. I, I don't know why they went there. Um, they must have seen something that we don't understand, but like, isn't he the same thing like – Trying to make a really big deal for Jimmy Butler would have helped out with. Yeah, I mean he is—he's essentially. I really thought that the, the the Bulls really could have used a guy like Jalen Brown because they're pretty much starting over after trading Derrick Rose, and we'll talk about that trade in a second. Right. Um, but they're pretty much starting over. So why would you want to waste having a guy like Jimmy Butler who's just going to rot away in your roster? when you can have a developmental guy who could be the next Jimmy Butler in the next three or four years when your team's ready to compete. So I really thought that it would have made a lot of sense for the Bulls and the Celtics to make a deal for number three. Um, but apparently the Bulls wanted way too much for Jimmy Butler. Rumors were the Celtics were offering uh, Jay Crowder, the third pick, and another first-round pick for Jimmy Butler. The Bulls came back and said they wanted Avery Bradley as well, which you look at it, is that too much? I don't know. I probably would have pulled the trigger on the deal. However, that is still asking a lot. Um, I mean, all four of those things is a lot, though. I, I do agree with that. Yeah. And, it, 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 again, it's too bad they couldn't make a deal. Um, maybe, you know, the reports that we were seeing weren't true. A lot of the times we're hearing, oh, Jimmy Butler's available. Jimmy Butler's available. But it's really just teams seeing what they can get for him. And in the end, maybe he never actually was going to be traded. But to be honest, I really thought they should have gone after Jalil Okafor. I understand he was on a really bad team, and he put up 17.5 points as a rookie last season. And again, a bad team. Our boy Farky could probably put up 17.5 points on the Sixers last year. <laughs> However, as a rookie 6'11 guy who's very offensive-minded, he could been he could have been a stalwart in the middle for the Celtics for the next four to five years, if not longer. So I really think they missed on the opportunity there to bring in a solid offensive player that while he struggles on the defensive end of the ball – you have a great coach in Brad Stevens who could try to mold this guy possibly into becoming, you know, a good two-way player. He won't become, you know, the next Tim Duncan, but he could become a very good piece to build your team around. So now you have two pieces of um, Isaiah Thomas and Jalil Okafor. Celtics have $35 million in cap room. You can potentially use those two players as chips for other players to sign with Boston uh, because, unfortunately, for whatever reason, Boston is not a hot destination for free agents, which I still don't understand. But, you know, again, they brought in Jalen Brown, who I'm not, I'm not excited about it. I think the guy could have talent. I really don't know. I didn't watch a lot of Cal basketball, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, after um, Ingram, after Ben Simmons went one to Philly and Brandon Ingram went two to L.A., it was really just a crapshoot between who are you going to pick at three, three through eight. And even though the Celtics had a ton of guard, I really ton of guards. I really would have liked to see them go with Buddy Heald from Oklahoma because he can actually shoot the three, right. and that's a huge team need. And he's an older guy, so he won't have to develop as much. I don't think he's twenty three. Stayed all four years at Oklahoma, and they also could have gone after the kid from Kentucky, who I am currently blanking on his name, Jamal Murray. Yeah, uh, you Murray. know, again, he could have been he could have been a great outside shooter. He was a little raw. He was just a one year guy at Kentucky, but I think those guys would have fit the Celtics team need a lot more than Jalen Brown. Now, again, maybe their Celtics strategy is, okay, well, we're going to bring in two guys in free agency. And, you know, because there are rumors that Kevin Durant still is interested in Boston, which makes absolutely no sense to me, but he scheduled visits with the Celtics. So apparently there is some interest, whether it's 1% or 50% chances of him signing here. 
Um, so maybe they're thinking, well, if we have Isaiah and we have Durant, we'll sign a guy like Horford, and then Jalen Brown's just going to come in in two, three years and become just another great fourth piece to this team. I, I, I don't know if that's their, their thought process. It just doesn't seem like a move that's going to help the Celtics today when they were the five seed, and they really just in a very weak East where the difference between the two seed and the six seed was just a few games. So that was the first pick. I really wasn't happy with that, and the rest of my night just went down the shitter from there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's because Um, you guys opened the floodgates for uh, basically all of Europe to do what they wanted in, in Boston. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I know that we have a big European um, uh, faction in in Boston, but w- <laughs> they brought in. It's Irish. It's not European. It's Irish. It's also a little bit of Italian too. I was trying to be. <laughs> I was trying to be generic there. It didn't work out too well. But they brought in a guy who his name is Gershon Yabuselli. Okay, power forward from France, who they say is a very similar to Draymond Green. Probably doesn't hit guys in the nuts as much as Draymond did, but they drafted this guy 16th overall, and he was ranked by almost everybody. The low, the, the highest anybody saw him ranked on all the experts' big boards was 40. So you are, an, you are a team that has eight picks in this draft, three first-round picks, five second-round picks, and you waste your 16th pick on a guy who should have gone a round and a half later. I, Danny, what I mean, and again, he's a stash guy. He's a, he's a young guy from France. He's not ready to play today. There are a bunch of other proven guys who had, you know, cut their teeth in college that could come to this to this roster and get in the rotation. And you're taking a stash guy from France. I I, I don't get it. I, I I just don't understand what the hell the Celtics are trying to do here. And it gets even worse with the 23rd overall pick. No. Yes, it does. No. What did they do? They got an inside post presence. All right, Danny, we needed that. Wait a minute. What's this guy's name? Ante Zizic from Croatia? He might have the and most like th- non-spell happy name. Like, how do you spell this name? Uh, A-N-T-E, so Ante, okay, and then Zizic, Z-I-Z-I-C. Okay, so tough to pronounce. This guy is so bad, or America knows so little about him, that the first thing ESPN reported was that this guy has a tough, <laughs> hard work ethic. Because at age 10, he rented out beach chairs and split Croatia. Oh, good for him. Are you kidding me? That is the best that you can do? That is your analysis on a, on a first-round pick? I don't know if that's worse on ESPN or worse on Danny Ainge for actually drafting the stiff 23rd overall. So, to recap, the Celtics brought in Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, third overall. A raw player who could turn into something or be a complete bum. They brought in Gershon Yabuseli. Who knows who this guy is? They brought in Ante Zizic, who I'm now calling for his whole Celtics career the beach chair gangster. Because (laughs) I will never forget the fact that an ESPN analyst said that this guy has work ethic. So I'm thinking, okay, yeah, he's in the gym all the time. He's always working on his three. He's really going to become an inside-outside guy. No, uh, 10 years ago, he was selling beach chairs or renting beach chairs in Croatia. Like, you got to be kidding me. Absolutely. Let me me ask you something. You're a Boston guy. You live there. How many beaches are there in Boston? Do you think he's going to be distracted by that or is he going to be in the gym? Well... In Boston, they're all man-made, uh, and one's, <laughs> one's nickname is AIDS Beach. So, um, 
due to all the needles you find there. So, you know, if he goes down to Cape Cod or if he goes down to the South Shore, he might he might uh, be able to get his. Uh, you know, if he's on the beach, I'm hoping he does like some sort of Rocky training montage. I don't know, but <laughs> it's just oh, he's here's here's my thing. He's listed as a center in the draft sheets, but he's he's six ten. 240. 6'10", that's, that's an inch shorter than LeBron, or I'm sorry, an inch taller than LeBron and 20 pounds lighter than LeBron. And Yeah, but but you see a lot of that over in Europe that they're they're all tall, skinny guys. Like, if you look at Porzingis. Is that what you said? <laughs> yes, pussies. Okay. Uh, like, Porzingis is 7'1 and about 120 pounds soaking wet. Um, but, I mean, they'll definitely put on some weight as they as they get over Eat to – an actual meal, is that what you're saying? When they eat some protein, you know, maybe they'll they'll drink their muscle milk, which is being hot. We no longer eat the pigeon. <laughs> we eat chicken now. We have uh, chickens here. We only have pigeon in Croatia. I, you know, I, I went into I went into this draft thinking, all right, they're going to make a move. I really did not want them to use the third overall pick. I wanted them to trade that to Philly. I wanted them to trade that to Chicago. And they just they they got they, they got nothing. They they did nothing to to make me excited. Um, with a for, with their forty, so then they traded the thirty first overall pick and the thirty fifth pick to Memphis for a twenty nineteen first round pick. So stockpiling assets, which at that point I was so tapped out, I said I don't care, go do whatever, do whatever. Um, and and then they brought in forty fifth overall Demetrius Jackson, point guard from Notre Dame, eighteen points per game. Uh, probably not a starter, but I think he could be. If the Celtics do make a deal in the offseason, uh, a, a player that will probably be traded from the Celtics is Marcus Smart. So, you know, Demetrius Jackson could come in, be a second round pick, backup tight, um, tight end, Jesus, backup point guard <laughs> from, uh, behind Isaiah, that. behind Avery Bradley. So, overall, you know, on Twitter, I gave Danny, Danny Ainge an F minus, 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 minus. Um, and Today, I still feel the same. I think that it was an absolute botched job by the Celtics here. I think maybe they overplayed their hand. I mean, we saw Jeff Teague get traded for the 12th overall pick, a solid shooting guard from um, Atlanta. We saw Thaddeus Young get traded for a first-round pick, uh, again to Indiana from Brooklyn, So, and which is actually huge for the Celtics because the Celtics do own Brooklyn's first-round pick again next year. So we'll see how Danny Ainge messes that one up. Um, <laughs> it's, it's probably going to be top three again because Brooklyn stinks. Um, I'll say D- Danny Ainge, great job trading. He turned Kevin Garnett, um, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry into Brooklyn's first-round pick this year and Brooklyn's first-round pick next year. So great job trading. Um, however, I really think he was overselling his hand um, with the third pick this year. You know, Again, we saw two talented veterans go from their incumbent teams to the new teams for the price of a mid-first-round pick. So you're telling me that you'd rather have Gershon Yabuselli than Thaddeus Young? I, I don't buy it. I understand, yes. I understand that Thaddeus Young costs $15 million dollars. Um, but again, the Celtics can't rely on bringing in a free free agent because they literally have never signed a big free agent in free agency. It just, it just players do not want to come to Boston unless you have a big three like Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and the latter two, Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, were both both brought in by trade. So, you know, again, major disappointment by the Celtics. Um, We'll see where they go with this. Again, they have a, a shitload of money to spend. Uh, they have s- some of the most cap space in the NBA this year, so they have enough room to sign two uh, max players. Hopefully they can do that. Again, my my wish list is, is Al Horford. Love to see him in Celtic screen. Um, 
I would love to see Durant in green. It's just it's just not going to happen. Boston stopped thinking it will. Um, so we'll see what else is out there. I, I'm really just not – another good player, another interesting player, I should say, that I, I assume he's going to sign with the Lakers and just came out saying that he's ready to make a deal on July 1 is Hassan Whiteside, the center for the, for the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to get a max deal, average about 14 and a half, 11 boards and like two or three blocks a game last year. So a solid inside presence, which would look great in Celtic screen. That's exactly what they need. That's why I'd love to see them have. But um, again, overall disappointment. But what do you put the uh, likelihood of? Let's go. Let's go with those three guys. Hassan Whiteside. What do you put the percentage at of him being a Celtic? Twenty uh, percent. I think he's set on going to, going to Lakers. Either re-sign with the Heat or go to the Lakers. He can get more money if he re-signs with the Heat. Um, but both Miami and LA are far more. Um, you know, Al better Horford. What about uh, Al Horford? I'd say fifty. I'd say fifty percent on Horford. I think he, him, and Isaiah Thomas have always been linked together. Um, at the All Star Game, there are rumors that they were talking about meeting up in Boston. I'd say he he's going to get max money wherever he goes, and the Celtics will throw the book at him. What's What's the likelihood of uh, getting Kevin Durant in Celtics green? I'm, I'm going to say one percent, and the reason why it's even one percent is because he's willing to take a meeting with Brad Stevens and the Celtics brass. If if you look at the numbers, okay, what he should do is sign a two-year deal with the Thunder with an opt-out after year one. If he mm-hmm. signs a two-year deal, he can do it for like $56 million, I think. Um, the reason why he doesn't opt-out is because the cap's going to go up again in two years when they sign a new TV deal. Um, and also, Russell Westbrook is going to be a free agent after this upcoming season. So he's probably going to go to L.A. because he went to UCLA. He's a Cali kid. He's always been linked to the to the Lakers. They have a ton of cap room. They have a great young nucleus. I think that you're going to see Westbrook go to L.A. after next season. And at that point, Durant's going to be like, well, I'm happy I didn't sign a five-year deal with you guys or a four-year deal with you guys because my Robin to my Batman is is gone to the West Coast. So he signs a two-year deal. He'll opt out after the first year. And at that point, he can sign either stick with Oklahoma City for another five-year deal at the new new price point due to the salary cap. Or he can sign a larger contract elsewhere because the salary cap will go up. I looked at the numbers and it's something like if he stays with Oklahoma City for the next six years – by doing the two-year deal with the opt-out after year one, followed by a five-year deal, he can make $256 million over six years versus $110 million with the Celtics. Because uh, what I love about the NBA is their salary cap structure is built around staying with your team, even though we Mm -hmm. see a lot of free agent movement. But they entice you to stay with your team because you can make more money by staying with your incumbent team longer. Now, if he goes elsewhere, again, I'm not sure the exact figures, but – you can get a bigger raise from year to year if you stay with your team. So I love that about the NBA. I wish more teams adopted that or more sports adopted that because you'd see a lot more loyalty and a lot less movement in free agency. But so again, 1% chance because I know KD has got a ton of money. He just signed that huge deal um, with uh, Nike, I believe it is. He's a Nike guy. He's a Nike guy. So he's, he's making, he can live off his Nike money. He's, he's not a stupid guy either. He doesn't blow it. That's what, uh, uh, that's what LeBron just did. He actually just put three mil. On, he's renegotiating. And he actually just put three mil back on the table for the Cavs because he's like, listen, just use this to get somebody that we need to get or right. take care of somebody else. I'm set 
elsewhere. Like the Nike money will never ever go away. That's he has a he lifetime has. contract. Yes, a billion dollar contract. He There's no reason for him ever to be paid by a Cavaliers uh, check ever again. And the fact that he just won a championship in Cleveland means that he will never have to buy another drink in Cleveland. He will never have to. He can get a job he, doing whatever he wants in Cleveland. Speaking of which, he was at dinner the other night at a downtown spot that uh, my wife and I like to go to, right, right on the river. And he was there with the trophy sitting in the middle of the table. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. pictures everywhere of him. And uh, everyone's <laughs> chanting MVP when he was uh, supposedly in a, a VIP area, you know, private area, but everyone could see him. But. Um, yeah, that guy is living it up downtown. Absolutely. Um, another another team that Durant could go to is the New York Knicks, and the reason why I'm saying the Knicks now, if you told if I told you this a week a week ago, you would have laughed in my face. However, the Knicks made a huge move before the draft and traded Robin Loach, Lopez and Jose Calderon for Derrick Rose. Uh, Derrick Rose, former MVP, is. Not the player he used to be. His knees are pretty much shot, but he's on a one-year, $22.5 million prove-it deal. It's the last deal year of his contract, and I think the Knicks made a great low-risk move by moving Lopez, who's replaceable in the NBA, to form a new big three in New York with Rose, Mello, and Christoph Porzingis. Porzingis is on his rookie contract, so he's not going to count a lot against the cap. He's not like uh, the Knicks are currently not in the situation like a lot of other teams where all their cap space is tied in between three huge players. Their cap space right now is filled up by Rose and Mello. They could bring Durant and say, "Hey, come to come to New York City. This is the mecca of entertainment, the mecca of sports. It's the biggest city in in the the greatest country in the world." Come here and you will be, you know, let, bring a championship to the Madison Square Garden. You're forgetting one important thing, though, Luke. What's that? There's only one basketball. And you're on the floor with Carmelo Anthony, who is one of the biggest ball vacuums of all time. I like this deal that they've done with Derrick Rose. I think it's going to be a, a great one-year prove-it deal, like you mentioned. And the reason is he doesn't have to be the, the primary uh, scorer for this team. He can just bring the ball up, you know, enter the ball into the play, make some moves and stuff like that. But he's not the guy that has to drive, you know, 30 times a game and take a pounding and hit the deck. He's not going to be banged up like he's he has been in Chicago. Hopefully he can survive a whole season and see what they do. He can he can get the ball into the post to Porzingis and, and out to the wing to uh, Anthony. But if Anthony were to try to play with with KD, I don't see how that works. There's there's just not enough shots. Well, that's a good point. Um, you know, but however, let's look at what how many shots did Russell Westbrook take last year? He took 18 shots a game last year, okay? So, now you're looking at uh Carmelo Anthony and I'm pulling up his stats right now. So Carmelo Anthony last season took 18 shots a game. So, yeah, those are different kinds of saying. shots. Like like Carmelo is a, a, a dribble for 18 seconds, put it up guy, while Russell's an attack the basket kind of guy. So you don't think that if if you know James Dolan and and Phil Jackson come to Carmelo Anthony and say, hey, we got Durant here. We you got to change your game. You have to post up a little bit more. Let Durant be more the inside outside guy. Um, let no. Derrick Rose feed you the ball. You don't think that I understand Carmelo, you know, he's 31 years old. He's kind of, he knows what his role is in the NBA. He's been in the league for almost 12 years, just like LeBron. Um, you don't, so it's tough, you know, it's tough to teach an old dog new tricks, 
but you don't think that he would kind of change his style of play in order to accommodate a star like Kevin Durant? No, and here's why. What are they going to have him do, like rebound more or play better defense? It's not his game. He is an offensive first guy and a me first guy. I don't see him saying, sure, you know, I'll, I'll take that approach and uh, see if I can get three more rebounds on defense and maybe another uh, offensive rebound a game and help out another guy to get more points that it's not his game it's never been his way has he ever shown his ability to be a team first player no but he's also never played with uh, a ton of great players he's never had the opportunity like lebron does to be part of the big three i mean probably the best player he's ever played with is Allen iverson um who farky will remind me every time he comes (laughs) up that i said at one point he was not a first ballot hall of famer i understand i'm wrong so i'm gonna nip that in the bud uh before farky's on in next week or something like that i heard you already you know that right i know even at that point um ai wasn't the player he was in philly so i don't think that carmelo has ever played with a great player either in new york or in denver or he's never at least had that great core that could really catapult him to him and his team into the upper on the NBA. That's true. So, so you know, again, I, I see what you're saying. I, I totally, Carmelo's got, he's an attitude, me, me, me guy. I, I get it. Um, I just like to think that, hey, maybe he can turn it around because all of a sudden he's playing with Derrick Rose, who's arguably one of the most talented players in the NBA when everything's going right for him. And he's also, he's not a head case. He's a head case about getting on the court because of injuries, but he's not a head case selfish guy saying, I need the ball. Um, so I think he would mesh well with Carmelo. I think Durant would eventually mesh well with Carmelo, and Porzingis is just confused and walking around New York City saying, "Just give me the ball and let me let me let me score." So, um, I, but the one thing I will say is um, Porzingis is not a great inside player, interior player. He's good, um, but he he's more the one of those those stretch big men who can play on the inside and the outside. So they would severely be lacking an inside presence, much like the Celtics. Um, so yeah, he that, needs to go would, to the uh, he needs to go to the Olajuwon school of inside play that like LeBron's gone to, and and a lot of these young guys like Whiteside, and they 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 learn how to play with their back to the basket and uh, and and get buckets inside. Yeah. So and and you know again we're talking about so we'll see what happens if if Durant will even go to New York. I don't think Durant is a New York guy and is going to look at hey I want to go to the biggest market. He, that's just never been his style. Um, weren't, I the, think that, weren't the rumor? I'm sorry. Weren't the rumors always that he was going to try to get back to the DC and go to the uh, back to the Wiz? Yeah, but that team has just turned into such a cluster that I don't think that he wants to go to that shitstorm. It's it's sure. he would he wouldn't want to leave. I don't see. Granted, it is it is his home team. He's from the Maryland, uh, you know, the DMV area. But um, I I think he'd rather stay in Oklahoma City or go to <laughs> Golden State and create a super duper team um, before going. Before, right, before going to Washington. Uh, that just team, that team's taken a nosedive ever since they went to the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years ago. And I just don't see that being an opportunity or a, a strong opportunity. I think he'd rather go to a far more stable team that has the pieces in place to win now. And you, whether that's him staying in Oklahoma City or that's him moving on to greener pastures, I, it'll be very interesting to see what happens on July 1st, uh, cool. which is a couple of days. Um, but we're talking about the Thunder, and, and the Thunder made a huge move 
on draft night, which could be uh, insurance just in case they do lo- they do lose Kevin Durant. Uh, Serge Ibaka, who's on an expiring contract, was traded to the Magic for Victor Oladipo, the 11th pick, uh, who ended up being our Davis Sabonis' son, DeMontis Sabonis. So this was a really interesting move uh, for a few reasons. Number one, the Magic, I don't see how this is going to help them out at all because Serge Ibaka really regressed last season you know maybe that's because of steven adams uh his role growing sure. for the thunder but serge Ibaka just he's on a one-year contract so he's probably not going to stick with the magic i don't see him staying he's going to try to go to a team that has a true number one and it'll be really interesting to see how he performs and whether his stats actually take a hit because he's now the number one guy in orlando uh, I don't know a ton about the Magic, but I just know that they're not a very good basketball team. And now Serge Ibaka easily becomes you know, probably their best player. So that was a pretty interesting move that I think, again, Oladipo comes in. He's now probably going to be the, the insurance uh, in case the, the Warriors or the Thunder do lose the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. So what do you think about that trade? Uh, like you said, it's it's definitely a, a real head scratcher for what are the Magic doing. They're not getting better with that trade, but they must be doing something down the line, or they're going to move him. You know, like you said, an expiring contract. Um, I do like what the Thunder did. They kind of got you know a little bit of insurance with Old Depot. He's a great defender, and he's an athletic guy that that um, is probably way better. At, actually, I know he's way better at playing defense than Deion Waiters. Um, and I do like Sabonis. He, if you put Sabonis and Adams out on the floor at the same time, that's a matchup problem for somebody to, um, from what they can do defensively to you. He, they're two really long guys. Yeah, the only thing, the only issue I see with it is that the, you know, the the Warriors. Um, why do I keep calling the Warriors? We'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, three, two, one. The only issue I see with it is the Thunder are a, a run-and-gun team. They're a fast-moving team, and that's from the little I've seen Sabonis play and, and knowing his father, who played on the 95-96 Trailblazers back in the day, they're, they're, they're big men who don't move fast. So I don't see how he really fits. I just think that the really at that point the Thunder were probably saying we need to get as many assets back for Ibaka, and you're offering us the 11th overall pick and a shooting guard? Okay, we'll take it. And then they took the best available player. So, you know, the NBA draft had a lot of great storylines. Uh, the, the trades of, Olad- of Oladipo to the Thunder, the Derrick Rose trade, and, of course, the Celtics just shitting down their legs. Um, but the one, the one silver lining to this draft is the Celtics, while they did take a European, they did not take Dragon Bender, who went fourth overall to the Suns. Again, silver lining. I did not want this guy. This guy is 7-1 and like 210. He weighs less than I do and is a foot taller than me. Um, I, I did the last thing I wanted on this team. I'm actually happier they got a project guy who might not help them for the next three years instead of getting Bender, who just screams and reeks Darko Milicic. I know that NBA teams are Euro crazy after Porzingis won the rookie of the year this season and had a great season, who was a virtual unknown and, and he was booed immensely by not only New York Knicks fans, but just NBA scouts and NBA experts. Um, but I am just so happy that the Celtics did not take the bait. And I, I could look back on this a year from now, three years from now, and see that Bender is now a perennial all-star. But still, I'm just, I'm just not in the camp of taking these European guys who have never faced the, the, the best of the best, like the college, the college players are, are playing, uh, the, 
American college players, that is, obviously. So silver lining was that. Um, and, you know, the draft, a lot of storylines, and it's going to be really interesting. We'll definitely next week have have a, a big show based on what happened in the NBA free agency. You know, will the Cavs stick with the team that they have now? I mean, obviously, we're in the honeymoon stage right now. Everybody loves everybody. Kevin Love is just he, – he's, he's LeBron's one of his favorite teammates. But when that It's funny how quick that all went from him being – you know the the ultimate dog out in the backyard to sleeping right on the uh, the mom and dad's lap in the in the bed. He is by far one game turned everything around for him. And right. yeah, by July first, we're going to learn a lot of things about this Cavs team. Well, and that's what winning can do. Winning forgets. Winning covers up all those blemishes. But I'll tell you what, you know, Dan Gilbert, Dan Gilbert, you know, the GM of the Cavs, they they remember what happened throughout the playoffs, throughout the season, and they're going to do everything they can to 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 put the best team on the floor next season. So I I wouldn't be shocked if Kevin Love was still um, potentially moved in the offseason. I personally would not trade. I would keep the nucleus of this team as is just because, listen, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You beat a team that had the best regular season um, in history and was was – a, a, a miracle shot away from beating you in the finals. So I, you stick with the team that you have. They're going to only get better as they gel together. They're only going to figure out how to work Kevin Love into the rotation more. Um, but the Cavs are going to be an interesting team to watch, as are the Celtics. Like I mentioned, $35 million in cap space. I'd love to see what they do. I'd love to see them bring in two vets to to roll along with Isaiah Thomas. Unless they bring in Kevin Durant, the free agent options, I mean, it's all for naught because, listen <laughs> – I don't see anybody in the East being the Cavs anytime soon unless, you know, this big three in New York can can really gel quickly. And they, they're probably the, the biggest threat to the Cavs um, and, and taking away their Eastern Conference. And I wouldn't see NBA Finals crown, but taking the Eastern Conference crown away from them. But again, took the Cavs two years to gel together. I don't see the Knicks gelling that quickly. And again, it is Derrick Rose on a one-year deal. So we'll see how long that marriage lasts. Yeah, but, we'll see. But, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about NBA draft coming up in, in the next episode, most likely after July. I'm sorry, the NBA free agency after July 1st. Um, but now with sports kind of taking a lull, I mean, right now we really just have baseball on TV. We're going to have the Olympics coming up here soon. Um, if the Brazilian economy and just government doesn't fall apart on itself. If they can get rid um, of all the uh, used diapers and, and plastic <laughs> bottles that are in the 50-meter <laughs> swim pool. So that's all. That's all we have about the NBA. Obviously, great Cavs parade, draft, uh, exciting trades, disappointing draft picks for my Celtics. Uh, Jerry, I want to thank you for your sacrifice of being the man on the street for us and oh, uh, my pleasure getting those clips. Um, we'll see what happens with the with the free agency here on July first. But I'm hoping here that again the Celtics will be able to sign a player or two. Uh, Godspeed and good luck to Danny Ainge trying to convince them to come to Boston. Uh, but this is the Never Ending Glory Podcast. Please find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast, on Facebook at Never Ending Glory Podcast. Send us an email on negpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, find us on iTunes. Uh, subscribe, download, uh, Never Ending Glory Podcast. And just just do yourself a favor and just just you heard 20 seconds of the Fall Out Boy Ghostbuster song. You don't have to hear it anymore. It's one of those things where I listen to it because I'm like, I got to at least hear it and see if maybe I don't hate it. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And I know we're going to be seeing this freaking theme song on all the 
primetime television commercials because they are just ramming this movie down our throat. So with that being said, stay away from Ghostbusters. Go Celtics. Go Red Sox. Go Indians. This is the Never Ending Glory Podcast. Uh, Talk to you soon, Luke. Talk to you soon, Jerry.